Hello and welcome back to Where Are All My Friends. I'm excited about this episode. It is with John Herrera, who now works with brands like Fat Lace and Illists and call it streetwear and just clothing fashion. However, he came from a world of music and he was very successful at it. He was a promoter and a DJ, primarily in the Philippines, but did massive things and brought every big name DJ over there. And as you hear his story, you'll be like, wait, you did what? It blew my mind. In addition to that, we talked about mindset, and that was my favorite part of this whole episode and what we really wanted to focus on. Because in the least cheesy way, I think it's magic, and I think you'll enjoy it. Another cool full circle moment was he is close friends with Kevion, who was my dream guest that's been on the podcast before. So it all ties together. It's my favorite thing. I think that introduces it pretty well. If you do like the podcast, if you do like this episode, and you're down to do me a massive favor, just subscribe to the show. If you want to go above and beyond, rate it on iTunes, leave some feedback, tell your friends about it, all that good stuff. It's super, super helpful. All right, that's it. Let's get to the episode. I'm so hyped for you guys to hear this one. Where are all my friends? We are back again with John Herrera. And I think this is a really cool story because we met, I think, purely just off of IG through some random liking cars or something. I don't know. But I see your profile and I kind of like just a glimpse because you're pretty low key on the Internet. And I see it and I was like, I feel like there's something real interesting about this dude. So we start DMing and just off the little bit that we've talked, I'm like, oh, my God, this is so cool. Oh, and then I listened to the podcast episode that you were on, I believe, with your sister, right? She has a podcast, too. Yeah. Yeah. What was the name? I'm spacing the name. It was Uh, theoretically speaking theoretically speaking i listened to that episode and i was like oh this guy knows and uh from there i was just like yo we have to do an episode you were gracious enough to do it we are on some crazy time zones but we made it work so thank you for staying up late and doing this i'm very excited i i've only recently you know done podcasts the last four to six months i was very private before then I've been, you know, declining. Then I said, you know, I, I'll do it for my sister. I'll do it for another friend. This is my third podcast probably in my... Oh, whoa. Yeah. I'm curious, what changed there? Like what in your head were you like, you know what? I think um, during COVID, a lot of people were a little bit lost and a lot of people were asking for, you know, asking me things. And I just wanted to put it on a platform where I could help mm. people in a bigger scope. Yeah. And after I did that podcast, I got so many inquiries, so many people asking me, like, people didn't know what was going on. And it kind of gave people hope and inspiration, especially, you know, you know, during COVID. So yeah, I did a second yeah. one. It was interesting. And people don't really know my story. And, you know, hopefully I give you some some juicy stories. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think the best part about this is from what I know, you come from a background in music which is a huge amount of the listeners that I have on the show. But then you've gone on to do other really cool things and you just have a really cool perspective. Like I think you have a very motivational, exciting perspective. So that to me is everything I want in a podcast. And I think my listeners, like, again, I don't know everything, but I think that like what we have on deck to talk about will be extremely helpful for a lot of people that subscribe to this show. Let's do it. Yeah, man. Awesome. Awesome. And also just to say, I think that's really cool, your perspective on sharing that info with podcasting and how that kind of shift happened. Because right now, the more value and the more like 
the more you can help people, I think is just important. So I, I really like that. Yeah, I believe, you know, paying it forward and putting good energy out there. And I think uh, I didn't realize people needed that until I, you know, I, I, I became less selfish. Now, you know, I'm going to give a little bit more. I'm going to put a little more out there than I only did it for my sister. But my sister was very appreciative and yeah, it helped her a lot and helped a lot of people. And that was a really cool episode, too. So anybody listening to this, if you listen to the whole episode and you're like, I need more, John, go listen to that because it is amazing. Yeah, we'll link it. So the thing I think the first place to start here is just telling listeners briefly who you are and what you do. So it kind of makes sense of like your past in music and everything like sure, that. Sure, I'll take you on a little story. So I'm John Herrera. I'm actually based in Manila. You know, if you can check out the light, you know, it's like dark and it's bright in yeah. LA. Um, I'm currently uh, managing brands. I'm a brand builder, entrepreneur, retailer. Uh, I work with a big group here. Um, so my day-to-day consists of, you know, managing teams, building brands. And currently now I, I build a lot of e-commerce stores. So my passion is really, um, you know, teaching people how to become successful. And, you know, today, that's my day-to-day, uh, building uh, streetwear brands. I work with brands such as Fatlace, Illist, and we're like a big licensing. I don't know if you know licensing or distribution for like Vans, Huff. So under my portfolio, I have around 20 brands and a lot of streetwear. Um, so, yeah, I've been doing... I re- didn't even know it was that deep. Yeah, yeah, so- I knew like the scratch of a surface. That's insane. So we're a big group here. We're kind of, uh, we have like 2,000 stores uh, in a total group. Um, and I handle the streetwear division. So I can go into the story, you know, later on that. But uh, yeah, today, please. I'm focused on fashion. I like, I like, you know, I like the ideas of, you know, brand building, culture, documentation, and how fashion you know, affects the NBA, NBA affects music. And I just love the way how energy works. And I'm a big, uh, I'm a big fan of, you know, fashion and the people behind it, you know, for sure. So that's my day today, uh, you know, for, for now, um, you know, I'm a father, I'm a a one child, uh, but you know, you wanted to know more about me, my music career. Um, no, I mean, I love all of this. You're painting the (laughs) picture super well. Yeah. How long have you been a father? Uh, two years. So yeah. Oh, cool. Congrats, man. Yeah, but before that, you know, how I started in this in this you know fashion is really uh, when I was um, you know I was I was born in Manila, and I don't know if you remember you know the Marcos era. You know, there was a time when a lot of people had to leave the Philippines because it was getting crazy here, and my mom and dad said, you know what, um, they had you know they had five children already. We're gonna go to LA. We're gonna take you to Long Beach, California. You know, a great place to to relocate and we want to move you there because uh you know we, my dad had a u.s passport and we all basically converted um wow. so so at I ended, what age i think i was um four five six because i was uh, i wasn't even in kindergarten yet i was like really young you know do you I, remember things from manila like do you remember being like getting to the states being like oh this is different or were you so young where you were just like oh cool i remember going on an airplane and doing a lot of trips, but I didn't know what Manila context was, but I know now these places. And it's so bizarre because like, uh, you know, all these places like were famous places, like this place called Manila Hotel and all these places, you know, where I used to, you know, visit. These are like, 
you know, these are, these are not like, you know, everyone knows about it. So, but definitely, you know, Manila is home for me. Um, but you know, I think people should you know, visit and check it out. It's a beautiful place to be, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's really cool. And I think like talking about fashion brands, cars, anything like culture is so universal and seeing like just the Philippines as a whole, like it's a very important piece. And I don't think everybody realizes that. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So when I moved to LA, Long Beach, at that time, I, I don't know if you remember Long Beach. Long Beach wasn't really like the best place to live. It was good. Yeah. <laughs> it was like the, it was like, I mean, there's still areas now that aren't perfect, but it was like almost all sketchy for some time, right? Yeah, if you remember that documentary about Easy E, you know, Boys in the Hood, it's very, very, very similar to that. Yeah. Very industrial. It was just like the port and like, yeah. Um, and, you know, at that time, I have four sisters. I'm the only uh, only boy. So my oh, three wow. sisters, they went to a high school named Poly High School. Um, why Poly High School is a very very uh, famous high school. That's where Snoop went to school, and Warren G went to school. Cool. Yeah. So that's kind of like my big my first influences in music, and you know at that time it was so funny because. Um, my sisters used to throw parties at my house because my parents used to leave. And this is actually my first kind of like experience with music and really realized like, wow, you can be in music and make money and be successful. Um, they throw these house parties. I don't know if you, you know, back then they have these, you know, sorority parties and there's a DJ who comes in brings in speakers, you know, puts on turntables and I'm like watching this DJ and this guy, his name's uh, DJ E-Man. He's actually like the program director for Power 106 now. I'm just, I was going to say, why do I know that name? Yeah, he, he, he runs Power 106 now, but he was just a DJ there in high school in, in Poly. And I, I was staring at him the whole night. And I just was amazed because that exactly, that when I saw that, I go, that is what I want to do. Not because I wanted a DJ. It's because like I can make someone feel happy and sad with you know mixing scratching mixing a slow jam and you know people were having a good time and that's really what excited me about DJing not necessarily it was hip-hop yes also but the fact that I can transfer that energy and create you know you know create happiness for someone so I used to look at things very differently back then and I'm like you know what I'm gonna be a DJ I'm gonna learn uh, you know, but that feeling is so important, right? Like the, that moment of where you're just like, I'm going to do this. Like everything else is kind of boring. You're going through life. You're just like, yeah, this is cool. And then you see that thing and you're like, Oh, yeah. Like, it's like kind of like epiphany. Like I believe yeah. speaking to me and I'm just like, you know, this is what you're going to do. Everything focused in. Uh, I was about 10, 11 at the time. I didn't know anything about music. I didn't know anything about DJing. I decided one day I'm going to be a DJ, a very successful one. You know, uh, a couple of years later, you know, my mom said, you know what, we're going to go back to the Philippines. I'm going to take you and your sister back. I'm like, oh man, but you know, I'm leaving my elder sisters, you know, back in LA. I'm taking you with me. So I went to, I went back to Manila uh, after like middle school. And I ended up going to high school in the Philippines. I'm like kind of bummed out. So I'm stuck in the Philippines. I'm like, wow, man, no radio, no MTV, no anything. 
And, and by and that, that time, you're just like, oh, this sucks. The States has all these things and take me back. Sure, like that, that's, a, that, that's a thing about my story. I go, you can be somewhere out of your environment, of your desires, but you can always kind of like manifest things to, you know, fill in the universe. So, you know, if at the time, Philippines didn't have any, you know, we didn't have CD players, we didn't have turntables. Uh, There's no such thing as like hip hop music on the radio. It's all a lot of trance and kind of like uh, disco. It was very different. It was like very behind. And I, I, commit, I commit to myself. I'm like, you know what? One day I'm going to throw the biggest parties. I'm going to be the biggest DJ. I'm going to have the biggest clubs. And I'm going to open up restaurants and bars. And I ended up doing that, you know, um, you know, slowly manifesting these things. Um, but yeah, that's how, that's really my first influence with music is seeing somebody uh, like a DJ show me that, hey, it's possible you can, you know, follow your passion, be successful in music yep. and, and make financial success. So that, my heart was, was, was on fire, you know, and, you know, at the time, you know, I always say the what comes before the how. And if, as long as you know what you want, the how shows up. Dude, okay. that right there is very powerful. Like that line is so real. Yeah. So, you know, um, at that time, I don't know, back then there was these self-help books before what they have uh, now. There was this book called Don't Sweat the Small Stuff. It's a very popular book back then. Uh, at the time, the other popular books were uh, Chicken Soup for the Soul. Yeah. By Jack Canfield. And I got super intensively obsessed with goal setting because I read from Don't Sweat the Small Stuff is all you have to do is write all your goals, read it before you sleep, and all your goals will come true. And I believed it. And for like Four to five years, I would read and write all my goals, imagining everything in my mind. You know, imagine like I have no internet, there's no laptop, the pages just came out, self, there's no cell phones. I was just, you know, taking my imagination and just saying, you know what, I'm gonna build this club, it's four stories big. You know, I'm a DJ, I'm gonna play this music, I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring in this act. You know, every time I bought a CD, I'm like, I'm gonna bring this artist in to the Philippines. I was already creating my script you know i wasn't yeah. accepting reality as is i was already manipulating it and that book don't sweat the small stuff basically says write all the things you're scared of everything that you're scared of because you know if you're if, it's, if it doesn't scare you it's not exciting you you know it doesn't excite you so i wrote it's everything. too safe of a goal it's too safe and like the, the subconscious mind you know only responds to something you know the heart's desire and at the time, I don't really know about, you know, these you know, law of attraction. I'm just following. I'm just, you know, I'm just you know, following instructions. Yeah. Like you don't have all that much. You have this book. You're like, okay, well, I don't have the internet. I don't have this. Like, I'm going to write this down. Yeah, man. It's, it's like that. So, you know, uh, sooner, sooner or later, I, I basically started as a promoter. Um, I learned all about the promotional business. I had oh, to cool. learn how to, you know, um, basically make money from the door from the barn as well as the dj so i'm like Whoa. is this in the philippines yeah. you know oh wow okay but, um i was at 21 22 um there was this bar that was supposed to close they're like john we're gonna give you the worst night tuesday you have two months we're gonna close i'm just gonna throw you 
one night. I know you like this hip hop stuff. I know, you know, just give it a try. But next thing you know, uh, we kept that venue open for seven years and we were breaking like records on sales every night. Um, so I wow. made, yeah, I made my career as a promoter first. And yeah, after that, like a lot of club owners started approaching me and they said, you know what, John, you've never seen anything like this before. Uh, let's open up a super club, you know, and my venues grew from 500 to 2000 to 3000 to 20, 20,000. My, my, those were the size of my parties. So yeah, Dude, that's yeah. real. <laughs> that is that is on a very high scale. When I talk about it, I'm like, it sounds easy, but when I think about it, it's like, whew, I remember all those nights when I'm just like, like I look at the crowd, I'm like, it felt like Vegas. I'm like, what? So yeah, yeah. Definitely, definitely I was very obsessed with um learning how to be very clear on my intent, writing it down, and obsessively, you know, fall asleep, you know. Uh, even Kevin used to tell me this, you know, write your goals and fall asleep. You know, even when you're dreaming, like you're still, you're smiling, you wake up smiling. And that's how I, you know, went to my routines. Like, you know, I'm DJing, even two people were in the club. I'm still smiling. I'm bringing out that energy. Like I'm acting as if, and yeah. you know, things were just happening really fast for me. Um, so oh, wait, two questions there. Sure. Sure. One for context, was there anything else like that? Like at what level, what other comparable comparable events were happening in the Philippines that were like 20K people? Like, was that a pretty rare thing or like? Well, I'll say it was pretty rare for someone that's new. That's, that's um, you know, foreigner, you know, uh, they call them a Fili Filipino American that's doing parties, mm -hmm. but I'm also throwing, throwing huge parties. So it was not normal for someone who is 24 doing that. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I feel like that must have been making some waves and people would have been like, oh, I now have to take you seriously because like that's <laughs> that's real numbers. Definitely. Um, yeah, I think uh, at the time, I, I had a lot of people to prove because the industry at the time, it was run by, you know, a different set of people today. And music was very different. And there's politics, you know, in these types of situations. So I was just the guy who's friends with everyone. You know, I didn't make any enemies. I was cool with everyone. If I made the bar happy, if I made the venue happy, if I paid all the DJs, if I introduced all the VIPs to the celebrities, everyone's happy. So I was kind of yeah, like... You figured it out early. I like that. Running the city for a good 10 to 15 years for, for, for a while. Insane. And then the other question was through this, like, so you're having great success as a promoter, but that dream of DJing started so long ago now, like in middle school, during all of that, like, were you DJing any bits of that? Or were you just like, yo, this needs to become my vessel where I can then do this? So I was a triple threat. I don't know. Okay. I don't know how I did it, but I did it with Red Bull. Uh, but, um, you know, so Every night, I don't know if you know the whole system of a club works. There's a promoter, there's a DJ, and there's a club venue. I was mm -hmm. always three in one because I ran the venue. I would DJ, I would sometimes MC, and I would book all the artists from. Oh. So I was very, uh, I was very uh, keen on everything. So why I was into that, because I used to watch a lot of Puff Daddy documentaries and, you know, cool. Russell, 
Simmons documentaries. And I love the way they used to produce everything in terms of the culture, the styling, the music, the bottle service. And I was obsessed with everything. And the execution for that, I learned from watching BH1 documentaries about you know, how he built Bad Boy, how they built uh, you know, Murder, Inc. I just used to watch all these label stories, you know? But I'm in the yeah. Philippines. I'm not around New York. All I had was this VH1, you know, DVD player. Yeah. I was going to say, like, I feel like you're painting this picture of a kid who's absolutely obsessed. Like, you found your thing. You found your calling. And then it's just any amount of information or media or anything you can get. Like, it's not the internet. Like, you're like, I have this. I have these DVDs. I have this documentary. Like, give me everything and whatever you could find. Yeah, it's like, where's the Source magazine? Where's the Vibe magazine? Like, take yes. all these. So I would kind of like imagine I was living in New York because I was obsessed with New York at the time. But uh, my role model at the time was really, you know, the Sean Combs empire, how he built Bad Boy, how he crossed over to fashion and how he crossed over to, you know, alcohol and uh, marketing. Yeah. Because so, he was almost, I don't want to say he was the first, but I remember at least in my young ages, he was like the first artist where I was like, I remember you as Puff Daddy or P. Diddy. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh yeah, you're outside of music. Like you're doing other things. Like it was probably one of the first times that I saw that artists did that. Yeah. He mogulized the term and I think he put the perspective as businessman, not just an artist. And yeah. I respect that and he used to open up restaurants like justin's he had a he had a steakhouse and i was you know i was impressed and i'm like the funny thing is every time i see something i always said i can do that and i want to do that and it just snaps into reality and this things just happen and no formal training i didn't go to any culinary school or restaurant school i think Dude. it was desire and will just trying to you know make up for it but yeah whenever i said like you know yeah that, the club, I want it that big. Yeah, whatever Tao looks like, I want it that big, you know? Whatever. Yeah. Said, I just copied and pasted because I didn't understand the concept of no or, you know, I just, you know, just did it, you know? Dude, that's amazing. So throughout all of it, you are DJing. Like, this is all succeeding and you're in it. You're doing it. My, my relationships stem from DJing. Uh, it's because, A, I, I think in the DJ community, it's so hard to make money, but... I reached out to all my friends in the States and brought them to Manila, maybe 30 DJs uh, oh. you know, from LMFAO to all the power DJs to, you know, all these artists from, you know, Steve Aoki, uh, Cascade. I had like super, super deep uh, relationships with these, these guys. So all and my what year is that? I don't know if you were familiar at the time when Electropop used to be popping when uh space to early 2000s yeah dj am was alive oh yeah so it was pre-am during am and post am so this is when like celebrities would be paparazzi outside of space and kanye yeah. Shaw. and we're there we see Lindsay lohan so like this is a lot of that pre-twitter it was all basically myspace at the time Dude, what an era to be like and in I it. Had no camera. I'm like, I wish I could record this. Let me record it. But you know, we had no camera, we had blackberries. But yeah, I think one of the important things about, you know, me in the in the nights night nightclub spaces, and it's all about relationships. And all all I wanted to do was meet my idols. I'm like, 
how can I meet my idols, have fun, make money, and you know, be inspired? And I'm, I'm going to book all my favorite DJs. So I went, did every like a list of 50 people. I probably booked 48 out of, you know, 49 out of 50. The last person that I didn't book was AM because he passed away that month. It's crazy. So, um, yeah, I think uh, when I started connecting with all the DJs, I just started to understand like, whoa, you guys are successful and you guys can do this and travel the world. You know, I didn't really want to be a superstar DJ. I wanted to be more of like uh, an enabler to teach, you know, to teach people about the business, but I didn't really want to be touring. That's something that I didn't want to do. I just wanted to meet my, my idols. So yeah, that was just so, so fun. And, you know, and meeting likes of uh, Avicii, um, all these big DJs that I just used to like little John. I'm like, you know, you're meeting little John at his peak of his career. And you're like, Hey John, what's up? And they're just all, you know, just all cool. So I was very, very blessed to, to DJ with them and even produce the shows. Wow. Was Lil John like the way that I think of him? Was he like, what? Like he was like full on that or regular dude? He's very tame, but when he, when he has to put on the Lil John hat, okay, he, he, he's, he's, he's the guy. So That's yeah. Funny. Yeah. I, I, so, I go ahead. Well, with that, so like, cause I was going to say like, you strike me as like pretty like humble and not trying to like be like the star, like, hey, look how big, crazy artist I am. And I was thinking that I'm like, okay, so you're clearly having success. You're doing all these things with every top DJ at the time, DJs that are still insanely huge. I would have to, or there's a, there's a world where I would think that you'd be like, yo, this is it. I'm going to be the artist thing. You were probably making decent money by doing all of that. Like, I'm surprised that you weren't just like full on, I'm doubling down. Like, what was that decision? Because here you are in a totally different industry. Yeah, I think, um, you know, for me, I, I once I'm done with my goal, I get obsessed with another goal. So once oh. I was with my musical, my... I, I produced the music festival like later in my career, and that was kind of my, my finale. It was like Red Hot Chili Peppers, Empire of the Sun, Kendrick Lamar. It was two days, that's fifty thousand people. And like, this is my finale. You know, I always just want to make it crazy. Uh, yeah, man. And you know, these I, I want. I built mini Coachella like uh, two thousand fourteen or fifteen. Yeah, and I just like to go Dude. out creating things. I think you know, even if we're in music and clubs. We are creatures of creation and we just want to create and experience things. And for me, it was all about giving the best experience for the fans. It was never about me trying to be a celebrity, trying to get that shine or bling. Um, you know, low key is the best key for me. I don't need to be, I don't need that status because uh, if I'm helping out, you know, people become having a great night and they come back to me every week. I had the customer for 15 years. I mean, people still tell me, John, I used to listen to your mixtapes in high school and they still have it. I'm like, okay, <laughs> it's crazy. Oh, shit. All right. There's gotta be a moment. Was there a moment in any of that where you took a step back and you're like, I have made this entire sea of people or like, I, that sounds so egotistical, but like, did you have those mo like any moment where you stopped and looked at it and you're like, Oh damn. Well, I think what I felt a little bit of, you know, surreal is when I was going through, uh, this was, I think it was my second club, you know, it was a VIP party. I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know who these people were. 
and it was uh, Timbaland DJing, Katy Perry walks in, David Foster walks in, um, uh, Kenny G comes in. I'm just like, what's going on? And like the Kenny black, guy, I'm like, what's going on? And there's like a, you know, there's an MTV after party. And they're like, John, please take care of these people. And I didn't feel like kind of like, sur- like celebrity, you know, st- stuck, you know, or it was more of just like, wow, this is really my life. I have to really be around these people and make them, you know, do my, do my part. And it, 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 the, I think people, this role isn't for everyone. You know, not a lot of people can do this role because it takes a lot of confidence and it takes a lot of risk. And you have to be a very crazy person to believe in yourself. You have to have super confidence in yourself. Uh, but definitely those are the times when I'm just saying, uh, these people have, do, are doing what they want. I just want to support them and I believe in them. That's but fucking def- cool. Yeah. Dude. Okay. So then, cause I want to rewind to like a couple pieces, but sure. before we rewind, so you do it, you did the festival, you had this insane amount of success. You really like to no to no degree. Could you argue that you didn't do the thing? Like that's it. You did it. You won the game. Was it like a pretty, uh, definitive or like, was it like a pretty decisive decision to be like okay cool i'm done i'm gonna pivot now was something on the horizon already or how did that how did that work so during my uh djing club days i was paralleling so i was at at the time i was very interested in um fashion i was actually following i don't know if you knew kevion's best friend uh jonas jonas yeah dude lrg and i used to follow jonas because his mom was the teacher from my sister in kindergarten. Uh, if people don't Jonas's know- Jonas's mom was yeah. a kindergarten teacher? No, his, yeah, his, yeah, his, his stepmom, because they have a big adopted family. And I only realized that when I said, you know what, uh, there's this guy named Jonas Bavakwa, and my sister says, oh my God, that's my teacher. I know Jonas, and they're a classmate. So it, it all connects somehow. And I'm like, oh my God, I love LRG. And I started- yeah started you know appreciating the the fashion and the 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 business and i started dabbling into retail i started meeting a lot of the brands uh you know like the stussy guys the crooks guys um hell's bells this was the original fairfax group in mid 2000 where crooks and castles was the biggest brand bigger bigger you know um and that's where you know i don't know if you ever went to vegas to see the magic pool trade shows used to be no so (laughs) for me i know of it like i was telling you like i love drama's podcast short story long and so many of his guests have talked about magic but what you're explaining there is me growing up in florida and i was really obsessed with car culture and through that i was really big on tumblr so i would see the people who did it best so i would see these things where like Florida car kid, all you did was put like a different engine in a Honda and go fast in a straight line. Like there wasn't culture around it. But I found websites like like Tumblr was big, but then like NWP for life. And I started to see California, like SoCal doing it really, really well. Like the car scene there, the Hondas that they were building, all these people, it was really, really good. And then through that, I would see like Illist and Fat Lace and things like that. And that was my first time of being like, whoa this is like that to me was the 
seeing somebody doing it so right. Like that was me studying like the P. Diddy documentary or that, or like seeing it from afar being like, this is insane. And it was like, the photography was so good. The culture was good. The cars were good. And then through that, I'd be like, oh, Crooks and Castles or like, oh, these other brands. Like it was all from the lens of the internet and what I was seeing through, I would say primarily Fat Lace and Illus. And that's why I think like Mark is such an inspiration to me. So as you're explaining all of this, I know it, but I know it from literally like a kid being on the internet, being a fan. So pick up from there. Yeah. So at the time, I'm, you know, what I do usually back then, I used to go, hey, let's do a research trip. I'm going to go to Vegas to party with, you know, the DJs. But I want to check out these, you know, these magic cool trade shows. And I would see like Rob Jordick and all these, all these guys who are nobodies who, who just imagine scrubs. And they're just scrubs. And I just literally just, it used to be so funny. I used to see Rob Jordick at the DC booth. And, you know, he wasn't as big as he was before. But, um, you know, for, for that time, I used to go up to brands and say, hey, I'm John. I'm going to open up a store in Manila. Uh, and I locked in brands, you know, like Crooks, Hell's Bells, Huff, Stussy. And I just made a relationship. Did you get LRG at that time? Yes, I got LRG at the time too. Oh, yeah. Amazing. So my, my biggest thing is just like, I want to bring your, uh, your brand to the Philippines. And, you know, I, I talk about my store. My store was called Gray One Social. Um, there was a Gray One in LA. Uh, so I had a partner there. But Gray One was with the original streetwear store in Pasadena that you, that launched hundreds, that launched Diamond. So they were the core guys launching these guys. So it was pretty interesting seeing the what they call the OGs, uh, yeah. and, and seeing them. Then, like you know, at the time I didn't meet Mark yet. Uh, my friend Mikey says, "Hey, uh, there's this guy. He likes to build like these websites about cars, but he's into fashion. You should meet him." Uh, He's going to Manila. <laughs> I said, okay, I'll take him out. And I said, yo, uh, I said, oh, it's Mark Arsenal. So Mark used to go to Japan a lot because he used to do a lot of stuff with um, Fujiwara, all those guys from Japan because he never, he never really went to the Philippines. But I said, yo, Mark, you got to bring Illis and Fat Lace to the Philippines. And I introduced him to my partners for like a distribution deal. And Mark saw the world and, you know, change. For, from then on, he went to... He was in Manila four times a year. So yeah, I met Mark. I said, yo, you got to build your brand to this level. You got to think bigger. And he connected his friends to come to the Philippines. And now we're kind of building like a big fashion empire now in Southeast Asia because his connections with Japan and China and my connections were we were kind of rebooting Fat Lace and we're doing all these you know crazy things this, this year. Dude, I didn't realize that like, you like this explains so much because I had a feeling I was like, hey, dude, you're like so in it, but this explains so so much. So you're getting into fashion during this. You have the store. You're going to magic. You're meeting all of these people at times where they weren't like the biggest name. Like it was everyone just grinding Correct. it out, doing what they could. Yeah. So at that time, I have a store. Um, you know, uh, at that, actually there's this trip, you know, there's a trip I went to Vegas and there's this booth. It was like, Oh, it's like a dim mat collection. I'm like, I want to talk to that guy with long hair, Steve Aoki. He wasn't even DJing back then. They used to call him, um, uh, it's the famous actress, younger brother, you know, Devon's younger brother. They used to say that I said, Hey, 
hey, Steve, you should go to Man- come to Manila one time. I'll fly you out. And he never forgot that. And, you know, when he started peaking, I, I said, Steve, are you ready to come to Manila? And he comes to Manila and he just blows up like two years after that, you know? Wow. So in a lot of ways, you were like the OG plug to Manila. Like you were the first one bringing that wave of culture and style and music to Manila with the platform that you had built just from being younger and having a passion. Correct. So I was like, how can I make a lot of noise in the Philippines? I go, there's only one way. You got to bring the experience there. Because if I just say, yeah, you know, this party, it's in Cinespace and LAX. I go, I got to bring the actual talent to Philippines to say, this is, this is the shit now, you know, this is, this is how they do it. You know, what's also crazy to me, like, as I'm thinking about your story in real time, in the very beginning, when you said that you were in Long Beach, I was so ready. Like I kind of painted the picture before you told it. I was like, oh, that's how he knows all these people. He grew up in Southern California, this, that, and this. And that's not what happened. Like you leveraged what could have been a disadvantage like you were taken away you got a taste of your culture and then you were taken away yet all of your success comes from what you did out there yeah i didn't i didn't think uh, my distance was going to be my disadvantage i'm like you want a free vacation you want to see the beach you want to have a great time and when people came people would say stories about my my my, their trip and they're like yo i want to go to manila and you know people just you know i put manila on the map you know everyone that's cool you know, everyone was touring in Manila now, so that was that was that was that was a big experience. Um, and speaking of culture, you know, my my biggest problem is how do I get all these celebrities to, you know, to, you know, because I I had an agency back then as a part of a, a subsidiary of uh, my clubbing, so I booked uh, DJs and Hollywood talent. So I used to book Hollywood talent for commercials, uh, for shows. Uh, you know, Kardashians, I used to buy all this Hollywood talent and bring them to the Philippines. And yeah. the only way I could leverage that is, you know, my DJ friends who would vouch for me. They're like, yo, you know, talk to them. You know, he's, he's legit. He's legit. So I leveraged my business by saying, if I had celebrity DJ friends, they'd say, you know, Joel Madden, Benji Madden, yeah, hang out with him. He's cool. Roger Sanchez, hang out with him. He's cool. You know, I would get that every month. I'm like, oh, I got to babysit a celebrity again this weekend. So I kind of, I was kind of like official babysitter for a lot of these things. Dude, you just said Joel and Benji Madden. That blew my mind that right now, like they have a management company called Madden that ties so closely to like so many of the artists I've worked with and all that. So like, that's another weird full circle moment. It, It was at the time when they were DJing and, you know, Samantha Ronson and, they're they're very heavily into that that LA uh, Hollywood scene, but you know, yeah. I, I'm, if I always realize if you take care of someone, in 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 your city or country, they take care of you so many ways. That's so amazing, and I get it. Like you've painted the picture. This is freaking crazy. So yeah. now. Uh, I have to rewind and I, I almost don't want to because I love talking about this specific sure, sure. moment. But like, is is there anything else in this moment that was like, just, oh my God, like, is there any part of this story that would blow my mind here? Like, did we cover it? Like, so there's a, there's a time uh, just to, to, you know, go please rewind please. before I was peaking in my career. Um, it was like, uh, how can I become more successful and uh, the thing is, I think I saw Kevyan, you know, charging, you know, coaching class. I didn't even know who Kevyan okay, was. Okay, literally, this is what I was going to come back yeah, and ask yeah. you about. So this is perfect. 
So he goes like, uh, I, I read, I think it was someone who just says like Bill Gates or, you know, Jim Rohn says, you need to get a coach if you want to become more successful. At that time, I started earning more money, uh, you know, from my club. So I could afford coaching, consulting. I already had a full staff, you know, but I'm like, you know, I'm going to invest uh, my first dividend check on coaching. And I booked Kevin on. And, you know, it's crazy. Did you know like, of him because Jonas? Because he was coaching Jonas? I knew of him. I didn't know he was coaching Jonas. I knew of him because he was a real estate guy coaching the team. So I only realized he was coaching Jonas uh, uh, like later, but I didn't really understand uh, how he was coaching him. So I was part of his Wednesday and Thursday calls uh, to his real estate group. So I would listen to the calls, we do <laughs> affirmations, like you know, the, you know, the seven equities, and we do all these affirmations. The thing is, his call was at 4 a.m. my time, and I had to come home DJing, you know, a little bit buzz tequila, and I'd be doing calls for a good two or three months. So that's how much com- that's how committed I was. Dude. So, so Kevion kind of like put me on on that mindset game, and really focused on you know the law of vibration. Got me into like Wayne Dyer, and you know really really got me more into my. Uh, I used to think it's all hustle. It's all just hustle, you know, you know, work, 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 work. And that's when I started to hear the word alignment a lot. Alignment, alignment. Alignment, if you're aligned, you know, you move, you get flow, you get more manifested. And he taught, he taught me that. And that's where I saw Kevion, you know, really break it down how to, you know, manifest. And his stories, his, you know, he has stories, we have stories, but I think. He was he was my Obi Wan Kenobi. I'm not an Anakin, but say Yoda. Yeah. <laughs> he was definitely the, he was definitely the Yoda who really showed me the way. And I think yeah, he he once I saw that that um, the podcast with drama, I'm like, God, Kevin's gonna blow up. You know, it's time. Oh, oh, okay. You knew him well before that. You just saw when he did that episode. You're like, oh, it's like, about to go. It, 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 I was like, Kevin has so much. I know his. I know his mind power. I know when he calls that, when he's focused, he can he can really attract and make things happen. Okay, so this is a perfect, because this is a very big piece of what I want to talk about in yeah. this podcast. And this is the perfect full circle moment to explain to a listener. Sure, so sure. you saw that drama podcast with him, episode 50 of Short Story Long with yes. Kevion yes. pop off. And you're like, this is where, like, this is going to go. so here we are again full circle moment you're the guy that's been around all the things that i watched on the internet when i was growing up in florida obsessed with car scene i heard that episode of short story long and it changed my life and i don't mean to be like super cheesy but it was just like that was the first time i heard him and he did such a good job explaining not only his life, his story, but explaining mindsetting, explaining this just perspective of how to look at things. And that energy was so incredible to me. And from that day, I was like, I'm going to meet this dude. Like, yeah. this guy is important. He is special. I'm going to meet him. And then fast forward, that's a whole story in itself. But we end up meeting, we end up doing a podcast together, which was like the dream of all dreams come true. And in a lot of ways, I mean, like, that's not directly why we're talking, but here we are talking about a specific subject. So, like, the fact, like, Kevion is such an incredible dude, and I love that this is that full circle. So to paint that picture for a listener, that's why that's so crazy. And my, you kind of said it already, when you posted 
the podcast on Instagram of him and I talking, he responded to me with you. There's a clip of you, Project Mindset OG 2008. And I believe you're standing in a high school listening to him speak. When he sent that to me, I was like, oh, you must have gone to school there. But that's not it, is it? No, no man. He's like, yo, I remember that day. He's like, yo, come to this high school. We're going to go talk to kids. I'm like, okay. And he's very like, he'll just do that. And, you know, we went to this school. It was not, it, it was, it's kind of like those public schools, but like, you know, that they needed help. And, you know, they were looking for a program. And at that time, you know, I wish I had someone like Kevion. If I were at that age, I'd be, I would be super successful. But I think, you know, um, yeah, Kevion was, you know, at the streets preaching. You know, I was part of that movement. And people don't realize that video is classic, you know, Project Mindset. I mean, that's the thing that like is so, it blows my mind and it's so inspiring. It's so cool to me is like, none of this success was overnight. Like now it's easy to look and like a lot of people like myself, like hearing him first on Short Story Long, like what, that was eight years later, maybe yeah. longer. Like he's been doing this and you've been doing this and all of these people that we've talked about, Mark from Illust and Fat Lace, like everyone's been doing this and that's a really interesting thing that I like to talk about on the podcast because I think Instagram and the current scope of the internet can really mess with your head because you see these people killing it and you're like, dude, why not me? And it very well can be you. It's just, it takes real time and real work. Yep. Um, Kevion, you know, with me, I think the biggest learning with Kevion is really how to, you know, check yourself and, you know, how to keep the ego out of it. And yeah. once you learn how to, you know, surrender that ego, like things fall into place and it's always a challenge. I mean, uh, the people I'm around with, the reason why I'm working around with them, because I'm super inspired around them. You know, that's just what keeps me motivated to be the best version of myself. And if I wasn't, you know, who would I be? I think it's just kind of like sharpening, you know, the sword and being around the best people. And you can say, these are my peers, you know, this is who I fuck with. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, it's so powerful. Yeah. Yeah. So because again, so this is like what I want. I want to talk about mindset. And I think like I want to talk about your experiences with Kevion and like that becoming real to you. And also for a listener, just to paint the picture better of like maybe if it did feel like something that was like a little bit like what was the word you used? It was so good. Just like cheesier. Uh, I think, you know what, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a super cheesy person. I'm a super dreamer. I think if you're willing to take that cheesiness and, you know, be excited about it and, yeah. you know, and still be a kid, you, you have more, you have more to play with. And if you stop having fun and stop, you know, giggling, you know, that's not, that's not what life is all about. And I realize that if you, if you take yourself too seriously and you focus on the wrong things, you focus on the likes, the Instagram, you can't do your best work and you can't create your best, you know, you can't create the best. That's really cool to hear you say that because as I continue to grow up and become more and more of an adult and this, that, and this, it's like you have those heavy things in life that weigh on you. But I always have this feeling where I'm like, I th this can't be it. Like that, that doesn't seem right to just like become serious and heavy all the time. Like the whole fun and not taking things seriously is what it's all about. So hearing you say that, I'm like, yeah. Yeah, but man. I was going to say, so take me back though. So I'm really interested in in 
I guess the days you had already read a couple books, you were already writing goals mm. at a very young age. But yeah. then, like you said, like that first thing you invested in was a coach and working yeah. with Kevion. So like, what was it like, where did all of these things really start clicking? And you kind of said it already, but some of these fundamental lessons you learned and like that coming together with you having maybe some light bulb moments where you're like, oh, it's, it's real. Like, cause you were like, it used to just be hustle. Well, I, I you know what, when, when I had a coach, I started then going to seminars. I then started going to these like weekend seminars and these are cheap seminars, like a seminar to see Jack Canfield is ten thousand dollars to for three days, four days, all you can eat food, you know, room tickets. And I brought my sister with me, and she was my business partner. And every time I develop myself, read a book, go to coaching, things would just you know just blow up in my face in a good way. And it's I wouldn't say because I was working harder, because I was identifying my limiting beliefs and what was stopping me from my own success. So a lot of it is really internal work and understanding like we all have that voice in our head that kind of blocks us from, you know, it's just holding us back. And if you learn how to, you know, put that out of the way and just follow your bliss. And, you know, I always say the stare shows up, even if you, when you have faith, it just shows up and it sounds cheesy, but you know, it, it's, it works. And when I started to believe I had this, you know, connection or I had this relationship with the universe, I started playing with it where it wasn't even serious. And I realized if I was serious, I wouldn't manifest so much. And I learned that you have to be so playful at heart to just realize your dreams much faster. It wasn't about being like super serious and I'm the oldest guy, you know, trying to be, you know, stiff. It was not that. It was more of just like, how can I be the light in the room? How can I be the light, the energy in the party? How can I make everyone happy? And, you know, people feel my energy, you know, they could feel it. Dude, that's something that Kevion said uh, really resonated with me was like when you're talking about goal setting, when you're talking about those things, like imagine you have the black card to manifest prime yeah, and man. like there's no spending limit on it. Like yeah. if like take all of that away, like what do you put there? And like it does, it feels like what you're saying. Like it's like yeah. light. It's fun. Yeah. And if you, if you don't know how to use your most important asset, which is your imagination, they say it's your mind, but it's your imagination that took me from a paper and pen and that just blew up everything. And if you know how to write on it, you know, like how rappers write and they make things happen and they, they speak word and they, they put things into phonics and, and clarify the energy into the universe. It happened because that's a law. That the reason why it works because it's a law. And if you know how to trust that law, the reason why I actually wanted to know more about law of attraction is to marry my wife. You know, you have to have a desire. <laughs> yeah. Dude. Yeah. That's so that's it. That's crazy. Did it work? Oh my god, I have to hear this. Yeah, well, she I mean, so, here you are, you're married. So funny thing is like uh so funny, like I was DJing in Manila and she walks into the bar and she was like uh, I, I was introduced to her by a common friend and she says, oh, I'm living in Singapore, but I'm going to Pepperdine next year in LA. I'll be going to college for four years. So we did call, we did long distance for four years. And I'm like, I'm going to manifest everything so I can visit her every month and see her and do five things at once. So every time I went to LA, I'd see her, I'd do music, I'd do fashion, I'd do meetings. I did that for four years and I was only 26. 
So I was able to manifest that. And I said, once you're done, we're going to get married. We're going to have kids. So we're, 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 we're here upstairs. Father of two years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dude, yeah. what are some other things? Like, I love this. And I love hearing like your real life examples of it because to like, it's coming from somebody who's really achieved some things and you've, you've done amazing things. So what are some other things? Like once you really started thinking with goal setting, mindset, manifestation, aligning with yourself, like what are some other like cool moments of that just working? I think um, what was cool about when I, when in, you know, you talk about culture is when I built my company, I never would just kind of like teach them, you know, by order. I would just say, hey, uh, first thing we're going to do is read Brian Tracy on sales. Two, we're going to read The Secret. Three, we're going to read about law of attraction. I would do unorthodox training and they would carry the company success without my help. So I was kind of teaching them the superpower and kind of use that mindset, like what Kevin's doing now. And it gave, it gave me the ability to travel and become more of a leadership coach and not try to be a, a bossy CEO type of coach. And they were, they were killing it. They were doing great in the, you know, in the, in the business I was in. They're booking talent. They're closing sponsors. These were all interns. Interns to basically, they're superstars now. So, I'll, you know, what's cool about that is this stuff should be taught in college, but it's not. And, you know, today people need this information more than anything. And if I could help people, you know, get over, you know, a mental block, some type of, you know, emotional stuckness or just fog and give you clarity. I mean, that's all I wanted for my, my staff is just how can I give you guys an, uh, an opportunity to learn, work with me and become successful. And I enjoy when people become more successful. That's kind of like my thing. It's not really about my limelight and that's just weird for some people. And I think uh, yeah, people don't realize that's kind of like makes me happy. Like, oh my God, I'm so proud of you guys. Well, so One, I can speak to that firsthand because literally before we even did this podcast, you were introducing me to like dream guests of mine and you're like, yeah, 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 do it. But I think that that has to come from a place of like, you've had your success, right? Like you, you don't have anything to prove. You don't need to have like this ego thing, like you're killing it. So now when you can help other people kill it, that has to be so rewarding. Yeah, man. I think uh, what's funny is once we, you know, when you help people and you see how big they get, you're like kind of proud to like, wow, you know, I, I, I know that guy. I can say, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm on the podcast of that guy. You know, there's so many things, but you know, I think success is shared and, you know, I like just, you know, helping people and paying forward, especially in music, especially in music today. People need that type of help. Yeah. So, okay. So going back to that and to try to give some very helpful advice to anybody listening. So you've listened this far. You're like, all right, maybe this John guy, maybe he's, maybe he's on to something. It seems yeah. like he pulled some pretty impressive things off. Where does somebody start? Like, like without reading a book, without anything, like what are some very powerful tools that you can just start doing to like start thinking a little bit bigger and practicing that imagination muscle? Um, so there's an exercise Jim Rohn, I think used to put together. If you had one year to live, what would you do? And just write on the list and your priorities change. What would you do? And if you had one month to live, what would you do? If you had one week to live, what would you do? And you start to see the real answers to come out. You know, what, wow. what's your desire? What do you want? What do you want? A car, a house, 
after you get clear of these material things, you're going to look for purpose goals, you know, more intention, more depth. And you go, I want to help people. I want to teach people. I want to, you know, I want to be more uh, connected with my intuition. And you find the voice that you've never heard before because you take out all that, you know, the car, the G-Wagon, the Porsche, all that stuff, you know, is your first wishes. But if you look deeper and you're going to have some really big purpose goals and you're going to realize this is the one. And if you ask yourself the right questions, the answer will just pop up. So first question is, what do you want? And if you ask yourself what I want without even saying, oh, oh I can't do that because I'm old or young, you're listening to the, all the excuses. Just write it down and write it down as fast as possible before you hear the negative. And that's what I used to do. Uh, I'd lock myself in a room. I'd write everything down. Even I think it wouldn't happen. I would just practice the fact that writing something down and I felt it was real made me feel it was real. And if you can practice that and be brave, um, you'll see a slight shift in a lot of things on how you approach life. And you don't need to write, you don't need to read a book. You don't need to watch a secret. You just need to know if I'm feeling good, I'm attracting good. If I'm feeling bad, I'm attracting bad. It's very simple. And if you can stick to that philosophy, you know, your feeling will always be the GPS to your heart's desire. I love that so yeah. much. Oh, wow. That's great. And that's like very real. And I I don't even need to say anything. I agree with all of that. That's amazing. One thing that I talked to Kevion about when we did the podcast, and I'm curious if your perspective is there's times where like most of the time, 80%, I don't know, I'm pretty posy. I'm pre in a pretty good headspace, but like there's just times where like I'm bumming and I'm focusing on the wrong stuff and I feel it. Like I'm angry about some delivery that didn't arrive in time or some fee on a credit card or, you know, something. And it's just, it's the yeah. wrong energy. And I know that, and I still can't get out of it. So yeah. for you, do you have any tips or do you have any like practices that you've, you want to, you want to manifest, you want to write all these things down. You want to be in that good headspace, but sometimes you're just in a weird day. How do you get out of a funk? Well, for me, I'm human like you. I mean, today I had some, you know, some people were delivering furniture and I was on a call and I, you know, I was kind of flipping out. I'm like, what's going on? And yeah. my wife, uh, so you're going to be, you're going to be tested. And, you know, that's the part of, you know, mastery. That's part of alchemy. That's part of the process where, you know, you become, I would say you become Teflon, you know, everything you, you have to be punched in the face a hundred times to develop that grit and that kind of smoothness and realize that not everything realizes needs your reaction. And if you know how to control your emotion first, it, it takes a lot of time and, you know, age, age after age, you know, you, you need to learn how to be more patient with yourself. I think really is uh, you need to step back and just say, hey, what's going on here? Where is this coming from? And say, is this really about this? Or am I really pissed about something else and if you identify what's the source you can just clear it just like you know i want to let this go i want to put this out in the universe i want to just you know squash it and you just talk to yourself much better and coach yourself into a better energy but i'm like you we're all human we all you know we all bleed we all get hurt we all get pissed off i think is you need to have that resilience that's the thing that people need to build after you can fall 
but you know, you can always have a bad pass, but you need to always keep on looking forward and just keep on trucking. Dude, that's cool. I think uh, one thing, I don't know, I don't know how you feel about this, but sometimes with myself too, I kind of realize, like I'd say my true self is like the happy, positive, like keeping it light, keeping it fun. And, you know, there'll be the day or the time where it's just not that. And something that's helped me even is just kind of telling myself that that's okay. Like sometimes I know that I'm not going to get out of that funk. So I'll just like almost set aside like a couple hours where I'm like, all right, man, you're in your funk, do what you will with it. And just accepting it, just being like, that's, it's going to pass. It's just a temporary little feeling, but for now that's fine. Just be in your little funk for a second. Yeah. I always ask what I learned from, you know, you know, the funks is that, you know, you need to release energy, negative and positive, because if you're Mm. only a positive person, you're not going to experience yourself in a different light. And that's really the, the point of life is to experience the dark, the light. So imagine if a battery, if it's just a positive, positive, you know, ground, there's no negative, there would be no interaction, there would be no duality. So you need to experience yourself in negative, understand yourself here. And when you're actually here in, in, in a different light, you know who you are. And that's where you develop a better clarity. Of like, oh, I think I'm more of this person. But when I get angry, I get to this person. So yeah. you need to, you just change identity. It's kind of like you become Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde and it's okay. And it's okay to be pissed off. You don't have to be, you know, people think that you have to be happy all the time. It's okay not to be okay. And you just gotta be, you just, it's one of those days. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what I tell people is you need your time to just clear, let it out, go into a room, lock it and shout, scream in a pillow, release that energy. Because wow. if you put that energy in, you start to carry bags, you know, very heavy bags, blame, anger, guilt, you know, these emotions. So you need to have a time to release it. And that's when I said, just get a pillow, scream, shout it out, you know, take it out on the, you know, on, a, on anything that you need to release energy just to make yourself feel better. Dude, honestly, I love that you say that too, because like sometimes like I, that and <laughs> having a good car scream sometimes. Like, <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, dude, you just get into your car and it's like, you're finally like on the high road. And, fuck. Dude, like and there's something that kill, feels so getting, great about that. On the, on the highway, if you're, if you're pissed off and you're seeing a car and someone beeps at you and you're like, oh my God. So you got to release this energy and understand Who's creating this energy? Yeah, and it is. You know what? It's me. And you know, you know I, I can stop it. It reminds me too of like being a kid. Like sometimes having like a good temper tantrum, and you're crying, and you're flailing, and you're every emotion, and then you're literally after you get it all, you're tired. All you want to do is take a nap. Like you're you done. Doing? Yeah, <laughs> and it's like we, we don't now. do that as adults. He does that. He's like, can you? you do you want to express yourself more? He goes, yeah. And we're taught not to express emotion because it's a sign of weakness which is actually wrong you need to express your emotion because you 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 people have a hard time communicating that that pain or you know difficulty and that's why people end up having mental health issues or they're you know they go crazy on the road you know you need to release and that's part of balance Dude, that's, that's, this is probably the first time I've ever talked about this on the podcast. And I love that you're talking about it so well, because that's cool. And I think that uh, maybe a problem or a hard thing that I've had in the past before I was so on board, like the mindset aligning train 
was just the like, yeah, like I get it, but that's not always the case. So it's just cool to hear the other sides where it's like, it's not always the case, but that's okay. Yeah. And like, you can just release that energy and then you can continue on. So that's so well said. I Thank you. That's great. Yeah. Um, Use it. There's a pillow there. Go scream in it. <laughs> yeah, dog, for real. Yes. Yeah. I love that. And then, okay, so now you're you're back to your posy energy. You're back to yourself. Yeah. You've released that energy. Yeah. Like with as far as goal setting, I'm curious for you, when you are writing out goals, like how do you how often do you write out your goals now in your current life? And what like how specific or how broad will they be? Or is it a combination of both? Um, so when I used to get inspired by goals, it usually used to be on travel trips. And I would just randomly, if I'm in the airport or I'm like seeing some type of store or like in a mall, I get like, I don't know if this happens to you. You get like a download of information. Like it just goes zoom. I'm like, hold a minute, wait a minute. I'm going to write this down. I'm gonna, like, I'm just like hearing music. I'm trying to try to write this notes down. I'm, this taco is so good. Taking a photo of it. Yeah. <laughs> I want to tweet it. I want to, I want to do something it's with everything. it. Everything so, you like don't know what to do yet. So inspired, yes. I think what you're always you're always shifting to new ideas and curiosity. I think for me, I use a reverse engineer uh, system where it's like, what do you want? It's called like, go to the end. And how does it look like? Tell me what it looks like. And my mind will find it for me. And I just need to know how this place looks like, how it feels. And the bigger or small goal, it doesn't really matter, but I need to be very clear. It's like, uh, go to the end, tell me how it feels. And usually I can't really talk about goals until a feeling before I go into like the visual or how it looks like. Or, so I always look at the feeling. What do I want to feel like when I achieve this goal? Then I reverse engineer. Then I just get all these like downloads and people or like random people like I meet. I'm like, oh my God. So for me, when I, when I goal set, I'm very clear that it has to start with a feeling and that's that feeling is a frequency and that frequency i need to know exactly what i want to achieve you know whether if it's a money goal or a lifestyle goal or a travel goal you know uh it can be anything you know i have like big goals small goals it can be anything so yeah. there's no really process it's just like what excites you because when you're excited you can't stop the energy. It's like, oh my God, I want to do so many things. But, you know, you need to know how to like just pace yourself and just like, what did I just experience? And just trying to filter that in. But uh, definitely, you know, if you repeat it and you figure out what your core goals, you know, it, it comes to you faster if you identify the feeling. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. I love that because I think something that I've experienced in my life and only more recently have like realized how powerful it's been is like one of my mentors in music, like they recently just opened this incredible label HQ in LA all before Corona, but like being in that building, opening that door and seeing the furniture and seeing the space I had always had a feeling of like being like, this is like the type of space that I want to be working in and creating and like interacting with people. But then when I saw that building and I saw that it was real, something shifted where every day that I would think about like my end game, 
I had like this tangible feeling like down to like the really weird specific things where like I could feel the feeling of the door handle of walking into that Mm. building and I could feel how the wood felt on the desks and like things like that. And that like that's part of the picture that I paint. So that's really interesting how you say that. Like I think that replaying those feelings in your head, like it just makes it feel that much more natural and like it's a real thing. But maybe seeing that those things are possible or like, I don't know how, like maybe I'm articulating this poorly, but dreaming big, but then backing it with something physical to then mm-hmm. like when you know that real tangible feeling or see yeah. it, it's so much easier to replay it. Yeah, it's easier to recall the feeling because if I say, remember your first slow jam dance, you're going to think of that song, you're going to think of that, that the girl, you can only identify to the feelings. You can't like describe it because you have that relationship with that feeling. And in, in quantum physics, they said everything is created, but we live in a world of resonance and vibration. And if you're a musician, you know vibration and resonance. It's how you know chords vibrate together. And if you can keep on hitting that signal with that feeling, whether if it's a nice office or a nice you know table, it will it will it will show up into your your reality. Yeah. That's or even I as mean. a musician, like yes. being on stage, like knowing yes. the feeling of like being on that stage, and like yeah. that's that's an energy. Feels good. That's real. People don't realize that's like that's that's star power. And I go, it's addicting. And then sometimes when you're like, man, I can see why you know people want to be on stage. It's very powerful. Yeah. Yeah. But for anybody writing goals, like, I guess like whatever that feeling is that you found, like knowing yeah. that and, and coming back to that. Yeah. I always say, have you ever seen that movie, a hook by Peter? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Like the Peter so, Pan movie. Yeah. So Peter Pan, you know, uh, you know, he, he forgets how to fly, you know, at the end and like, you know, the lost blade are like Peter, yeah. Peter, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. And they're like, he goes, fly, fly. He goes, you got to think happy thoughts, think happy thoughts, think happy thoughts. And he thought about his daughter and his son. He started to learn how to fly. And I feel like that's kind of like a parable in our lives. We forget how to fly because we forget what makes us happy. And, you know, that really is like the Peter Pan syndrome. Like you need, you need to know what makes you really happy in life because if not, you're going to end up being old and you're going to forget what life is all about. And I always go to that, that scene because just think of happy thoughts and you'll see yourself elevate in certain ways that you've never seen before. And I, I, I take that and I tell that to everybody. When I tell people that, they're like, you know what? You're, you're so right. I'm like, you know, I know. <laughs> Dude, that is it right there. That's yeah. it. That's amazing. And like, I feel like this is a great place to leave that because like, I so much wanted to hear your story hear how you learned and how you think the way you think, but then also give something back and like talk about this in a way where other people could apply it or like you could be like, okay, cool. Yeah, I get it. I'm sold. He's living this great life. What can I do? And I feel like you shared such valuable tools that are so doable today. Yeah. You got a short version. I'm trying to like, I could have went to different ways, but you know, you know, if, if your if your listeners want to hear more stories or have more questions, I'll be, you know, more than happy to help you with, you know, Dude, support your 
characters. I, I would love that. And I, I kind of always say that like any type of a popular episode or like I love to tell somebody's story for the first episode because you understand where they come from. You understand what got them there. You have a certain like respect. But from there, if there's ever an episode where we just say topic, we're going in this topic. You already know who John is. You already know who he's about. Today, we're talking about this. Like, I would be honored to do some of that. Yeah, man. And like, it's so funny because like during COVID, like, you know, currently I'm working on, uh, I'm working on music again. I got back really? into music. As I, as I told you, um, I'm working with a, a label that's actually signing, you know, Asian American artists crossing over. You know how this pops yeah. And literally, I was I'm manifesting features, producers, managers, like Empire Records, like Triller, like all these things happening. Well, I'm in the Philippines, so I'm having all these calls, you know, working on these releases, and it's happening because I, you know, sometimes you forget your first love, and I always say music is my first love. But since I've been so busy, uh, you know, having a, you know two year old, I've been like just vibing out to music. But when I write things down in my notebook, if you have a sticky notes. I don't tell my wife what I'm doing. I write it down and things just like pop into my reality. Like, oh, someone called. Did you know about this? Did you know about that? I'm like, oh my God, like it's happening again. So I'm, I'm on my second wave again uh, today. I'm going to go back into music, uh, looking at producing, um, you know, for some artists and looking at managing some artists as well. So that's kind of like what I'm doing now aside from my fashion, my fashion gig. Yeah. So I'll be going to LA next <laughs> dude that is yeah. so exciting and also crazy that in a weird way you like here you are on a music podcast like as yeah, i was like is... what am i going to talk about i don't dj anymore but definitely yeah i i see that uh music is very interesting now and i think that a lot of artists need a little a little bit more help with yeah. you know especially in the career success can be very i would say confusing because you get so much and you don't know how to handle money or just fame properly and i want to mentor people to just be more grounded and understand like how just how to live a longer you know happier life and fulfilled you know you don't you know and that's that's kind of like when i see people happy uh you know that that gives me so much joy yeah yeah and i love what you said too like the first goals like it feels like the house the car the this the that money but then as soon as you accomplish those things you're like oh that's so empty and hollow and you start to like be like oh it's bigger than this and definitely, something like that definitely, so definitely. helping artists like i mean if you're a good artist you're gonna get the car and you're gonna get the house but then it's like yeah. it, it's what comes after that yeah it's also longevity of the artist i see artists not being uh, in the game long, they don't properly financially plan. They don't have proper coaches. They don't have a business Dude. mindset. And I feel that I want to bring artists who are entrepreneurs who want to kill it in the game. And yeah. I'm trying to build, I'm trying to build a super team now. And yeah, we're, we're, we're in very, very, uh, we're working on things right now. Dude, that's amazing. And uh, good. Thank you. I'm glad you're doing that. I'm yeah, very man. glad you're doing that. I'll let you know um, about the projects. Please do, please yeah. do. And we could even come yeah. back on the podcast, talk about those specifics, whatever. Yeah. That's that's just amazing. Um, sure. Where can everybody find you? If there's a specific question or if they're like, if they super resonated with something they said and they just want to say like, what up or thank you or anything, what's the spot? Uh, just my IG, it's Limitless John. Um, just, I don't really post anything. So just hit me up or my email, John, J-O-N, Herrera, H-E-R-R-E-R-A, at Mac.com. 
if you have questions, you know, if you're, I noticed that you have a lot of music people, very interesting. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish all these podcasts because it's interesting seeing you talk about it. And now people are becoming more comfortable talking about things like this, which yes. is, I used to do this like 15 years ago and I felt like an idiot. <laughs> Dude. Well, it's like, I, I feel you because it wasn't until drama did it with a slightly different industry where I was like, wait a minute, like people talk about this. This is everything I've ever wanted to talk about. So for those who align with it and get it, it's, I, I, I'm so happy that anybody cares to focus and listen to a podcast like this because it's the world to me. And it's cool that you have been there and done that and are in a similar vibe. Thank you, man. Um, this was a freaking honor. Thank you so much. Thank you, man. Thank you. I, you know, I hope you added value. And if you have any questions, I'll be happy to support your, your guests. And your, Do you your... hear that, guys? This is crazy that he is just yeah, like, yeah, what up? Hit me and, up. And, this and, is and a... you have, I, I told you I'm going to give you two guests. So I gave you Mark oh, and Eric. <laughs> you did. You did. Yeah. And listeners, you will see just, just how much John came through soon. But I am beyond excited. Perfect, man. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. So there it is, John's story. I hope you guys were as inspired by that one as I was. I think he's such a remarkable dude, and it was so rad of him to come on and share that experience and that perspective. And my God, the fact that he was just like, yeah, here's my IG, here's my email, let me know if you have questions. Like, y'all don't understand how much of a legend he is. So if you have any questions, take that man up that's amazing or honestly if you were just inspired by this take a second to thank him or shoot him a line like he did not have to do this and he does so 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 much so if you took anything away from that let him know things like that mean a lot and of course if you like this podcast and if you want to help me you made it to the end of the episode and you're feeling hype and inspired share it with a friend post it on social media subscribe all that good stuff you know it really does help With that said, I'll be back next week with another episode. Thank you so much for listening.